We welcome you to the Here I Am series. Good morning to those listening by podcast and to everyone in the room. This morning, I'm going to speak on when God awakens your dream. When God awakens your dream. My subtitle, because I just wrote too many term papers in college, and I always have to have a subtitle. Even now, somehow, look at your neighbor and say, even now, somehow. The verse we've been talking about from Psalms 126, when the Lord brought us out of captivity, we were like those were dream, who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, and yes, the Lord has done great things for us. What joy, Lord. Restore our fortunes, Lord. Renew us as the streams in the desert, for those who plant in tears shall reap with joy. Someone say joy. So that's our anchor verse for these couple of weeks. I'm reading to you from John 11:21. Lord, Martha says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But, everyone look at your name and say, but. <laughs> I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Father, we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We welcome you, sir. Speak to my brothers and sisters in this room what I don't even say, whisper in their ears. You have promised me in my prayer time this week that you would feed them, man, O Lord, so speak to them. Let us hear. Let us rope in our thoughts about our day, what will happen later. But let us in this time period hear from the word of God. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. God isn't offended by your big dreams, amen? God is not offended by your big dreams. God wants you to dream big dreams because with God, there is no precedent because all things are possible. Can you say amen? He is the resurrection and the life, and he is alive among us. And today, when God awakens dreams, when God awakens us, he can resurrect us from emotions that are strangling us. He can resurrect us from feeling overwhelmed. He can call us out of the grave of apathy and fear and discontent. Can I get an amen? He can call us out of a season of feeling stuck in life, our prayers being stifled, because as he tells Martha and Mary later in this passage, I am the resurrection and the life. He or she who believes in me, though they were dead, they shall live again. That's great when you end the road kind of thing and Jesus calls everyone out from the grave one day. But I am here today to submit to you that Jesus knows how to resurrect what you thought was dead. Promises, beliefs, miracles, and dreams. Can you say amen? So this morning, if you think you've already experienced your best miracle, if you think you've already seen your best turnaround, your best plot twist, your best season, well, I've lived my best season. I might say I'm 62. Ecclesiastes says he makes everything beautiful in its time, meaning that every time has a beauty and a glory to it. On that note, which day of creation are we going to vote that's more powerful? Was it when he spoke light from darkness and all of a sudden we had light and not just all darkness? I think that's pretty powerful. Anybody want to stumble in the dark all day? Can I get a no? What about when he put the heavens up there, the sky? I can't imagine as the angels watching, thought, wow, that's glorious, those clouds, that blue sky smiling at me, nothing but blue skies. So thank you, though, that no, give yourself a hand for the middle-aged people of the planet. But there's something so beautiful about watching the blue sky. Is that greater? Um, is that greater or more powerful than light? 
No, he just kept getting better. Then he created the waters on the earth. If you think he had saw his best season that, you, he had oceans and rivers and lakes. Even if you say, well, that's okay, Pastor Rhonda, I'm not a swimmer. Well, you need reservoir to draw water from. Can I get an amen? You need water to drive by. And I love that he made dry ground. Everyone say dry ground. Because if everything had been full of water, we'd be like living over there in Venice. And I'd have had to boat myself to church this morning. Sounds really cool to you have to do it all the time. Don't you love a God that is so wise? He's so awesome. He says, you need water, but you also need dry ground. I love a God that can balance out everything. Say amen. Then you think, well, that's great. I don't know which day is getting better. Every day was awesome. And every day before I continue of your season of your life, you must have the expectation that better days are coming. Can I get an amen? Dreaming with God. Then he brings the grass, the seeds, the herbs, the vegetables. Well, I, you can count me out, Pastor Ronda. I don't like vegetables. I don't like broccoli, and I don't like green beans, and I don't like carrots. I couldn't care less. Well, but you like cantaloupe, strawberries. I'll just could go on and on. He gave seed to the earth. But I bet there's two vegetables you like they're really not vegetable but potatoes and corn come on somebody and then he brought out flowers sunflowers palm trees oak trees big ash trees and what's so powerful about that you can see all of that he just keeps outdoing himself when you think you've seen the best of God you've not seen the best of God yet every day of creation and then he put the lights in the sky he put the sun to rule the day aren't you glad for the sunshine give the sun a hand clap this morning come on I'm so happy for sunshine. Anybody with me? But I'm happy for the moon at night because I don't want to blind myself trying to go to sleep. Can I get an amen? And then the next day he created all the sea creatures. Just think about this. And the birds that fly in the air. Pastor Hank and I would go to Hanama Bay in Honolulu and we would snorkel, just the two of us. And we'd be pointing out fish to each other because he loved uh, saltwater fish. And we would point out and he'd also always say, Rhonda, he would do this because I would forget and take my snorkel out. And he goes, put it back in, put it back in. But we would see all those beautiful tropical fish. I can't imagine today if we didn't have the whales. Come on, somebody. If we didn't have the dolphins, you couldn't get your picture made kissing them. Someone say amen. I can't imagine if we didn't have the eagles and the robins in the sky, the sparrows and the red bird and the blue bird. I can't imagine. God just keeps outdoing himself. Can I get an amen? And then he blessed them. And then he made the animals the lions, the zebras, the hyena. And then his crowning glory was he made man in his own image. I'm going to tell you, every day of creation was powerful and potent and beautiful. And every season that's coming to you shall be blessed by the Spirit of the Lord. Can I get an amen in this house? Come on. So you think maybe you can't believe in a hope and future when God awakens your dream is what we're talking about this morning, even now somehow. So you think the best is behind you. Well, ask Abraham when he had a baby at 100. Ask Jacob, who was completely convinced and completely wrong that Joseph was dead. And they told him, when they told him he was alive, the Hebrew language says he fainted. He was so overcome that his son was alive. And then when he saw the carts coming from Egypt, loaded with jewels and treasures and 20 donkeys coming down that dusty road, the Bible says when Jacob saw the carts coming from Egypt, loaded down with what? 
what Jake, his son Joseph had sent. It says his spirit was revived. I don't know about you, but I'm a candidate today to have my spirit revived. Can I get an amen? And revive means to renew and to take up again. Monday, maybe you need to take something up again today to believe for greater things. And then ask Job, who the Bible says that his latter days, the Lord blessed him even more than his beginning. Look at your neighbor and say, even more than his beginning and he died old and full of years i love that there's more dreamers but can we give the lord a hand clap of praise for he who exceeds his own glory someone shout hallelujah hallelujah, hallelujah. reading from john 11 only because some may not know i'm jumping around now a certain man was sick lazarus of bethany in the, uh, the town they lived, Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed Jesus' feet, verse 3. Therefore the sister sent word to him and said, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified. Now Jesus loved Lazarus, and he loved Mary, and he loved Martha. These things he said, Our friends only sleeps, I will go and wake him. And then it says, Martha said to Jesus when he came, I'm going to fill in the blanks, If you had only been here, my brother, would not have died but then she said those powerful words but even now look at your neighbor and say but even now I know that whatever you ask of God he will give you I love it that the um, information is a little bit on the light side on details in this the one you love is sick Jesus Jesus loved everyone but Lazarus was special and the narrative that they wanted to write, the dream they wanted to see, was Jesus come busting in there within five minutes, raise Lazarus off his sick bed, and they all eat a bunch of pita bread and guacamole. Come on, somebody, and just have a big feast. But it says, someone say, but it says. So when he heard he was sick, he stayed two more days where he was. It does not say that Jesus was too busy. This is about God awakening your dream. It doesn't say that Jesus is so busy that Lazarus would have to take a number and like at a cafe and wait till his number came up, 247. It just says he stayed. Mary and Martha loved Jesus. Jesus loved them and Lazarus, but they're caught right now in the middle. They're like that trapeze artist that I often tell you about that I studied, read too, read too many books sometimes. But Henry Nowen writes about how the flyer and the catcher had to have such unity. Because when the flyer lets go of this side of the bar and the trapeze, they're suspended in nothingness until the catcher catches them. You ever felt that way in faith? You ever felt like that you let go and you asked for God to grab you and you're hanging in the middle? Mary and Martha are hanging in the middle between a problem and a promise, a prophecy and a fulfillment, a dream and a dream realized. But they knew in whom they had believed and they were persuaded that he was able. Does anyone believe that Jesus is able this morning? Give him a shout of praise in this house. The Christ followers in this passage are having a rough day. And don't you and I be like a bad infomercial and tell people, if you sign up to, to work for Jesus, you're never going to have any troubles. We do prodigals a disservice. You're never going to have any hard days. It's just, don't we look happy in here dancing and praising? This is the way we live every day. We wake up at four. We praise to coffee. We fix our dinner. We shout for joy. Oh, no, we need to tell them what life is really like. Can I get an amen? There are sad days. There are hard days. There will be challenges. 
There will be heartbreaks, trials. There will be moments that we feel like we look like we're losing when all the time we're actually winning. Because in God's playbook, Winning may temporarily look like you're losing, but it's only a matter of time. In three days, he rose from the grave and saved mankind. And I want to tell you, you are not losing. You are winning in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Somebody give him a praise. Jesus said to his followers, talking about awakening your dream, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Take up your cross and daily follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me but he also said my yoke is easy and my burden is light now what does that mean you don't have to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders and if the enemy has convinced you of that or your own flesh has we're in a wrong place his yoke is easy and his burden is light and the reason he said that is because the pharisees had 600 regulations just for the sabbath but Jesus was saying, I don't want you to live that way. You may feel today your cross is symbolic of your calling, your gifts. Your cross is symbolic of the things that you go through in your life. Maybe your cross is symbolic of your genetics. Your cross is symbolic of your gifting, your service, your job, who you're married to. Just kidding, everyone. Just kidding. Look at your neighbor and say, she's just kidding. But your cross can be so many things, but it's basically living your life for Jesus. Can I get an amen? Pick up your cross. A man dreamed one night, and that night he met the Lord, and he told the Lord, he said, the cross that you have given me is too heavy, and it's too difficult. Anybody but me ever felt that way? He said, I don't like this cross you gave me. And the Lord pointed to a door. He said, go through that door and go in that room. So the man went through that door and he went into that room and there was an attending angel and the man handed the angel his cross. He said, this is too heavy for me. And the room was filled with crosses, all different crosses, sizes and shapes, artistic design, um, overwhelming so many crosses. He saw so many different things. And the angel said, you go pick out the cross that you want and you think would be easier for you. The man walked all through the room. He looked at all the crosses, the intricate designs, some so large, some so rough, some so polished. Then he saw a little cross over in the corner, and he thought, that looks easy for me to bear. And he picked up that cross. It looked very attractive to him. He walked back over to the angel, and he said, this is the cross that I want to carry. And the angel said, that's the cross you walked in here with. Here's the deal. Jesus will never put too much on you. At times you think someone else's burden, someone else's life looks easier to you. If you and I could go to the exchange room of heaven, we would find that the cross that he's given us, the life, the calling, the things that we're called to are not too hard to bear. Our emotions are not too hard to bear. This life is not too hard to bear because it's our life for his purpose. Someone give Jesus a shout of praise this morning. And here is Mary and Martha carrying that cross of delay. We've all been there. Delay. Why are you pausing, God, to answer my situation? Why? Why are you letting this ellipsis? Ellipsis is a um, term in literary sense, and it means a pause, like a providential pause. You see, Jesus says to you and I, what I'm doing now, why I'm pausing, you don't understand, but soon you will. 
what I'm doing in you. Isaiah 30 and 18 says, God's not finished. He's waiting around to be gracious to you. He's gathering strength to show you mercy. God takes the time to do everything right. Someone say everything right. And those who wait for him are the blessed ones. Someone say the blessed ones. Listen, God's ways is not the best way if you're looking for efficiency. God's way is not the best way if you're looking for convenience. God's way is not the best way if you're looking for the shortest distance between two points. If you're looking for what you want, when you want it, God's way is not going to be the best way. But if you want purpose and destiny and glory, we have to say to the Lord, I want your way above all other ways. If you need to delay it, if you need to pause, if you need to send it by horseback, Lord, I I'm depending on you. Someone give him a shout. But that meantime can be brutal. Discouragement between us believing for something and it not happening. It can be brutal. It can discourage us. But don't let that pause make you doubt the fulfillment of the promise. This is the thing about God. He can seem to take forever, and then he moves in a minute and does more than others could accomplish in a lifetime. God may call for a plot twist in your life that you can't imagine. He's a great author. He loves dramatic storylines. You know, I love things on theater that work my brain. I don't like goofy stuff. Don't hate me. But I like things that work my brain. I like a complex plot. I like to not be able to guess who done it. Anybody with me? I'm going to tell you anything we see in this world in theater or TV does not compare to the greatest author of all time, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Come on, somebody. He likes dramatic lines with great tensions in the story. He likes climatic conclusions. He likes to build suspense. He likes intrigue. He likes a tale to be told. This is how I got through that. I didn't pull myself up by my own bootstraps. Only God could have done it. That's the story he's writing with your life and my life. If you believe it, give him a hand clap of glory this morning. Have you ever encountered someone that's just so special and powerful because of what they survived, because of what they overcame? So when they speak of their glory after suffering, their joy after sorrow, their blessing after pressure, your heart listens. Mary and Martha and Lazarus are going to walk away from this thing with a dream awakened and a tale to be told. They're going to tell it all the time until they go home to be with Jesus. And I hope, depending on who, who they were, I believe they're human like us, of course, that they didn't leave anything out. When you tell your story, let them know how bad your sorrow was. Can I get an amen? Let them tell how it hurt when you had to wait for that prodigal. Let let them know the agony of getting out of addiction because I'm going to tell you your strengths will never help anybody but your weaknesses and my weaknesses will cause people to stand up and say if God did it for them God can do it for me can you give him a shout of praise this morning I just would love to hear him tell the story you know I've got I've got a sister and a brother so I can imagine Brian Brian tell him this Renee Renee, Renee be quiet I got to tell this part 
I like it when we have a tale to be told of what God did when no one could do anything. God disappointed their expectations that he might exceed them in the end. Sometimes God will disappoint your expectations so he can exceed them. Because he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He knows how to resurrect broken dreams, broken lives, broken thoughts. He knows how to bring answers to prayer. He is the resurrection and the life. I wish somebody would praise him this morning. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, even now, somehow, even now, somehow, what he was saying, Matt, was I'm setting you up. You're contending for this, but I'm setting you up for a miracle. There's more comprehensive. Comprehensive is a great word. It means far-reaching. You see, sometimes we just want to prop up in a relief from the master. And he says, no, I want to give you a glorious testimony. And you will understand like they understood when you get on the other side of the wait. You had to wait that God was working far more than you could have ever dreamed. Just ask Elizabeth and John and Zacharias, track with me. Their son John, track with me. They were old. They wanted him to be born a long time before he was born. But in the right time, he was born to fulfill his destiny, to be that voice that said, prepare the way for the coming of of the Messiah if he had been born a year before five years before 10 years before 20 years before 50 years before 70 years before it would not have worked his destiny was coinciding with King Jesus and I'm gonna tell you when everybody found out this baby John had been born it said awe filled the neighborhood and everyone rejoiced and said the hand of the Lord is upon this child I want to present to you this morning like Mary Martha and God may be delaying to bring greater glory. It's in his time frame. It's for his glory. If you believe it, give him a shout of praise this morning. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, even now, somehow, God is looking for the best time. Even now, somehow. You see, Jesus responds and he says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. Jesus said, here I am, send me. Michael and Courtney, come help me. I didn't tell them this. And Courtney, if you'll stand between Michael and I, that would be a blessing. Hebrews 1 and 3, Matt, says he upholds all things by his power. And Michael, if you'd grab her like this, and uh, strong, and Courtney, you go limp. Just like, yeah, there you go. Jesus sent his word, and his word, oh, you're good at that, baby. His word held them up until he could get there. You see, he sends his word. The word of his power holds you together. You want to know why you're still here today? You want to know how you were held together in the tough moments of your life? You want to know why you're not insane? You want to know why you still live, why you didn't give up? He sent his word into the middle of your situation even when you didn't know him even when you didn't call him by name even when you were in the ditches of a trick addiction even when you were a prodigal he sent his word and today i'm declaring that the lord is sending his word into pig pens he's sending his word into prisons he's sending his word into the cavern of the captive the lord sends his word and great shall be the healing somebody get Give him a shout of praise. He sent his word and it upheld him. 
and it will uphold you. His word and his name will uphold you. I thank God for books. I thank God for smart people. I thank God for elders. I thank God for all the things in my life, my worship music. I was blessed this week. I went from a 2007 car, Renee. I've now got a 2017. I'm moving on up. I even have a Bluetooth, miraculously blessed. And I was blessed with a 2007 one too, which I'm going to sell. But here's what I'm going to say is I've been enjoying having Bluetooth. I didn't know a world existed when you could get into a vehicle and it would pick up the last worship song that she was listening to. I mean, if I'm a little excited this morning, if I'm a little pumped up, I've had it going nonstop. I've driven places I didn't even need to go. Come on, somebody. I've taken trips to places people didn't even want me to come see them. I've driven up and down the road. I'd have gone to the hospitals and emptied them out if the Lord had told me to. I want to tell you something. I'm thankful for all those things, but the most thing I'm thankful for is the Word of God. It is double-edged sharp. It is powerful. It brings life to deadness. It picks you up when you can't go on. It makes your sorrow turn to joy. The Word of God is alive and burning well. Somebody give a shout for the Word of God. You want to upgrade your life? Get a little bit of more word into it. You want to upgrade your life? I was telling a friend of mine back in the old days. Oh, God, help me. Jesus, okay, I can do this. Back in the old days, we didn't, we didn't have Netflix. So you watched a show and you waited a week till the next thing came on. You had to go read a book or your Bible. I know it sounds tough for you young ones, but that's what we did. And now, you know, they just hook you. They end every segment. You think one time, Pastor Hank and I were watching. We were watching it on DVD. Twenty four. We're huge Jack Bauer, and and it was spring break, and both the girls were gone. It was like two in the morning. I got up, and Pastor goes, "No, no, baby, no, baby. One more episode. We got to see what Jack's gonna do." I mean, about four a.m. We're both like, "Whoa, seven's coming early." But you know what? The the thing is, we've got all this stuff around us, but not a lot of stuff in us. But we need to get the word in us because it is alive and the voice of God will awaken the dream. Jesus was going for greater glory. Philippians 1 and 12, Paul says, what has happened to me has happened that it will actually spread the gospel. I'm going to tell you, the Lord is awakening dreams that will give the glory to Jesus. The Lord is awakening things. One of my elders, Pastor Billy, told me this week, I've taken a few weeks of marvelous miracle, but he said, God is looking for people that will say, I just came through this. Look at this. This is my testimony. I'm on the other side. It's amazing that the worst moments of your life, the hardest, the ones you're most ashamed of, can be the most glorious future in your life. Someone give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Amen, amen. Here's the good thing. Thank you. Jesus is always going to come for you. And he's coming for his friends. He's going to come for you when you feel discouraged and overwhelmed and when he shows up I love it when my mamma Giles was getting ready to go to heaven my daddy was sitting with her down there in Petal Mississippi in the hospital and uh, all of a sudden my mamma started talking to her grandson Ronnie who was killed tragically in an accident when he was 12 he was the golden boy until my brother came along and uh, she was talking to Ronnie and she said Ronnie my daddy couldn't see him he said Ronnie why won't Jesus come for me Ronnie, tell Jesus to come for me. She could see Ronnie, and she was just crying. Ronnie, please tell Jesus to come for me. She had suffered so terribly with several things. 
Then my daddy sat with her when he heard a brush of angels' wings and heard his beautiful mama that had sacrificed to put him through college say, Jesus, and then the breath went out of her. I know people saying angel comes for you, but I'm a candidate to say he's going to come for us one way or the other. In the sky with a shout of come home to all of us or at the end of our days. He is always going to come. He's going to come in the midnight hour. He's going to come when I'm weary. He's going to come when I'm depressed. He's going to come. He is always going to come. Someone give Jesus a shout of praise. And the good thing when Jesus showed up is... Mary and Martha, or first Martha met him at the gate. I want to say this because i got to move quickly. Always come out to meet Jesus when you're disappointed. Don't run away. Don't lock yourself up. Don't isolate. Don't say, well, I won't go to church. I've known people that did that two services and they've not come in 10 years. They got disappointed. Always meet Jesus at the gate. And Martha did, and she said that if you'd been here, one of the greatest statements of faith. She used the word but, which is a conjunction. If you grew up with Schoolhouse Rock, any of anybody? Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Outside of her head, can't remember the rest of it. But it's a conjunction, which is so powerful. It means it brings two contrasting ideas together. And so on one hand, she said, if you'd been here, this wouldn't happen. But eat, but even now, I know if you ask. You see, this things in our life that we think, Jesus, I wish that dream had not been gone. I wish, Lord, that divorce had not happened. I wish I had never started drugs. I wish I had never sinned. I wish I didn't have a past. I wish I hadn't lost my job. I wish I hadn't gotten that diagnosis. Lord, that loss. Lord, I wish I hadn't got this. And there's a preventive faith that prays that things won't happen, but there's a secondary faith that's a resurrection faith that says, even though these things have happened, I'm believing for a miracle. Even though I have experienced this, I'm believing for a miracle. I love preventive prayers. I love to pray that these things won't come. But when sometimes they come in this fallen world, we have to stop and not, as I've many times rehearsed a sermon called God's Grammar I heard when I was young, we should never put a period where God puts a comma. This was not the end of it, and this is not the end of your dream. It is just a pause. Can you give Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning? And right in the middle of that sentence, she says, but if you had been here, even now, even now, God, even now, those two degrees of faith, a faith that refuses to say it's not over till it's over, a faith that says it's not over until God says it's done. Don't let this thing keep you. Don't let this world keep you from believing. Don't let this world get you to jump out of the game before you will. One of the greatest sports moments in history was in November 23rd, 1984, the Miami Hurricanes versus the Boston College. And it was down to six seconds on the clock. And, and Miami Hurricanes were winning. And people started leaving the stadium at the Orange Bowl because it was a muddy mess. Look it up. It was a muddy mess. And they wanted to get out of the parking lot, get out of the stadium but all of a sudden the quarterback for Boston did something no one thought he could do he threw a 64 yard football toward his roommate who had gotten behind the defense of the Hurricanes where no one knew he was he caught it and they won it was called a Hail Mary pass a Hail Mary pass means there's no way this is happening I want to tell you just like that people left the stadium and missed what they came to 
see. Don't you leave the stadium until you see what Jesus has said he would do. Don't you leave because it's muddy. Don't you leave because it's discouraged. Whatever you believe in God for, you stay until God throws the Hail Mary pass and brings forth the miracle. Oh, somebody ought to praise him this morning. Somebody ought to praise him. Chris, if you'll come help me. Josh had to leave, so if you'll come help me. Yeah. <laughs> I love it that the Bible says that Jesus wept when those verses that we know. I love that he cried when they got there, when he got there and he saw his people crying. This is, this is the thing I want to say to you. Jesus is more good than you thought. He's more kind than you thought. He's more wonderful than you thought. So that even if you are worse than your thought, he still loves you like nobody else can love you. Oh, great man, Betty, she loved me more than anybody. No, she didn't. She didn't love you more than Jesus. My parents love me so much, they don't love me more than Jesus. My children love me, but they don't love me more than Jesus. No one will ever care for you like Jesus. And here's the thing. He cried knowing that Lazarus was dead before he got the news, but he still cried. He knew Lazarus would be alive in minutes, but he still cried. He knew Lazarus was not home yet to heaven, but he still cried. He knew what eternity offered Lazarus, but he still cried. I love that we have a high priest who is not getting mad at us for our feelings. I love a high priest that says, I understand that some days you're sad and you don't even know why you're sad. Can I get an amen? Some days you feel down and you think, I don't even know why I feel down. Jesus is not that neurotic parent that says, don't cry about that. Don't be upset about that. But he is a merciful redeemer that sticks closer than a brother. And he says, come boldly. Don't come face ashamed. Don't come guilty because the ancient creed said Jesus descended into every depth of our fears, our anxieties. We don't come to a king who doesn't feel what we feel. We come to a king who says, I want to hear you and I want to heal you. Anybody thankful for Jesus this morning? Come on, give him a praise in this house. We have no superhuman high priest that does not understand us. He was wounded and bruised for our transgressions. Stripes upon his back was for healing. You see, when you do the will of God, when your dream is awakened, it will not only benefit you, but it will benefit everyone else. Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. He was the omnipotent son of God. In fact, he told his disciples, I could call legions of angels. I would love to believe. <laughs> I know Gabriel and Michael wanted Jesus to fulfill God's will, but I would love to believe Michael was just like, say it, say it. Send me. I'll slaughter every one of these humans on the planet. Send me. I'll do it with one big sword. I'll cut them all down. Just send me. But Jesus did it. The Bible says he went for the joy that was before him. He knew that this was his hour. Here I am, send me. He didn't have to remain silent before Pilate, but he did for the joy. And he said, not my will, but yours be done. It didn't serve him. It served us. He saw 
redemption. He saw atonement. Jesus made the decision for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. What was the joy? The joy was you and me and the redemption accomplished and applied. He chose the cross for the joy before him. He let Judas betray him for the joy that was before him. He endured false accusations for the joy that was before him. He endured the Roman scourge for the joy that was before him. He carried the crucifix upon his shoulders so you don't have to for the joy that was set before him. He endured the loneliness of Calvary for the joy that was set before him. And he rose on resurrection Sunday for the joy that was set before him. Somebody give Jesus a shout of praise in this house. Come on. Come on. Here I am. Send me is what he was saying. And I'm telling you, I was going to tell you something. I didn't have time. I've still got a little bit to travel. But several times this week, Michael Cook, I'd be somewhere. And someone doesn't come to the church, but they recognize me off social media. I mean, I was, you know, I was buying things for the church somewhere. Can I just talk to you for a minute? That ended up being 45 minutes. And they worked for the store. And uh, they kept on and on halfway through. I thought, I need to go. I need to do this. And I heard Holy Spirit say, Oh, yeah, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Who said that? He didn't say it like that. He said it very graceful, merciful. That's my interpretation. Because he lovingly said, Isn't that what you've been talking about at your church? At the end, she goes, can I come sit underneath you? I attend another church in this town. And I wouldn't be saying this. She was here this morning. She told me she couldn't come today, but she's known of me. And I said, of course you can. But I think this thing of us saying, here I am, send me, is for the joy that's set before us of us helping others through what we've gone through. The joy set before us of us using our gifts and our talents in the way that only we can for the joy that's set before us of bringing the tale of how God brought us through what we could not have been brought through. That's what Jesus focused on. That's what you and I, God wants to awaken the dream. And he said, after he wept with them and cried with them, where did you lay him? Now, listen, this is the son of God. He knew where Lazarus was. He told the woman with the well, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five and the sixth one's not your man either. He saw Nathaniel underneath the tree before Nathaniel ever saw him and he prophesied it and he gave a word of knowledge. But listen, when, when Jesus says, tell me something, tell him. Because he wants you to tell him. He said, take me to the place. And he's saying this morning to us, take me to the place where you have laid down that dream. Take me to it. Where did you lay it down? Says the Lord. Where did you lay down your hope? Your faith. Where did you lay down that promise that's not fulfilled? Take me to that place. Because you and I can confront that thing. That's why he wanted them to take him to where Lazarus was. He knew where Lazarus was. He didn't have to ask. But he wanted them to be a part of the miracle. You see, you and I, he says to you and I, you and I will confront this thing. Take me to the place. And I'm going to speak. The voice that will wake the dead is going to speak. But then we say back to him, no, I don't want to take you back to the place. I don't want to take you back to the place. 
where I experience loss. It's funny, this week, several times, out of the blue, even in the middle of the night at three, I thought of something that made me think of my late husband, and I just cried. Where do these tears come from? I said, Jesus, I take you to the place where sorrow sometimes invades my soul. Jesus, I take you to the place is what he wants you and I to say where we suffered loss. I, I were, we laid down a dream. Revive me, Lord. I, I want to take you to the place. I remember when King Jesus said to me, let me take you to the place in Balboa Street. I can't tell my story this morning, but when I walked in a vision into my house in Southern California, there in Westminster, where everything went bad in my first marriage with my husband and addiction, all of our mess together was a mess, a horrible, hellish mess. But King Jesus said this, you're not going in by yourself. I'm going in with you. And listen to me, brothers and sisters, in places in our life, we say, I, I don't want to go to that place. I'd rather just turn up the radio. I'd rather just watch Netflix. I'll binge eight shows. By then, I'll be done. And that might help you. Sometimes that's good. Sometimes you just need to say, Jesus, I want to take you to the place where fear has just evaded my soul. I want to take you to the place where doubt is beating my mind up. I want to take you to the place where I became discouraged. I want to take you to the place where it didn't go the way I'd hoped it would go, when I'd hoped it would go. I want to take you to that. But sometimes we're like Mary and Martha. We say, no, don't do that, Jesus. It's an ugly tomb. Lazarus smells in there. And sometimes my brokenness smells. Can I get an amen about yours, not mine? I know you're like, I ain't never going to amen to that. She's tricking us. But sometimes we just like, they said it smells in there. And Jesus said, open it up. Open it up. King Jesus is here this morning to open some things up for you and I. Jesus is not afraid of a mausoleum. He's not afraid of a burial chamber. Christ has never encountered a burial place that he is afraid of. He knows he is greater than all burial places. He can uncover what we have covered up with debris, the brokenness, the unanswered prayer, the things we don't understand, and we just make a tomb out of them. We cover them with dirt. We put some flowers. I'm not being crass. I have, two pr- I have many souls in our cemetery. I'm not being crass. I'm talking about your dream and my dream. And King Jesus says, I want to awaken the dream. Take me to the place. Take me to that which was ugly. Take me to that which was sad. Take me to it because when you take me to it, I'm going to speak into it. Can you just lift a hand and say, thank you, Jesus. Honor him in this room this morning before I finish. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just worship him for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that this is holy ground. Thank you that this is holy ground, Jesus. Thank you that you search us and know us. Thank you that you can awaken dreams, Lord, and bring life and revive us, Lord, again. Thank you, King Jesus. Thank you, King Jesus. Amen. When Jesus speaks, things change. I had so many pages about Jesus' voice. I took it out this morning. I knew I was too far gone in the weeds, is what I want to say. The right kind of weeds. Let me say that. Okay. From years of helping people in addiction, they're always like, Pastor Rhonda, don't say that. John sees Jesus on the Isle of Patmos, and he says, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the living one. I was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. 
and I hold the keys of death, hell, and the grave. What he was saying is there is nothing I cannot unlock, says the Spirit of the Lord. There is nothing that I don't have a key to, says King Jesus. There is nothing that the earth has locked up, that your fear has locked up, that your overwhelming nature has locked up, that your anger has locked up. There is nothing, no sadness, no disappointment that you have locked up. But he who holds the keys of hell and death says, do not fear. I've got the key to that place too. Somebody give him a shout of praise in this room. And he says those words, Lazarus, come forth. My husband had a powerful sermon called The Voice That Will Wake the Dead that he would preach as an evangelist. And by the end of that, I was on my feet screaming because it was so awesome. But he talked in there about Jesus had to say Lazarus or every grave would have opened up all over the world. I love it that Jesus knows what to speak to in my life. He knows what to open. He knows what to heal. He's not going to confuse me with anybody else my to my dream that's buried he knows how to say come forth in the name of the Lord for I am the resurrection and life he or she who believe in me they will live again somebody give him a shout of praise and I love this before I close in that sermon 1 Thessalonians 4 16 says for the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with a voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. You're questioning this morning if God can awaken the dream. You have to figure out what he's speaking to you about this morning. This church must figure out what dreams he's awakening. He started last week. He's been working in me as I'm on the greenway. He's been awakening me to dreams about this church, awakening me to things about this church, and we want him to awaken everything. Can I get an amen? Can I get an amen? But I'm going to tell you something, the voice that will speak, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. But the powerful thing about it is he knows how to speak into those things with a voice with a shout his power is so powerful you wonder can he awaken my dreams you wonder can he answer my prayer you wonder can he fix what looks unfixable can he do it when he shouts someday all the bodies that are buried at sea that have been carried by fish and sharks all over the planet from ocean to ocean that means people's particles or chromosomes when he he shouts, every DNA of every believer will come together and form in the depths of the ocean. Everybody that was on the Titanic that knew him, everybody at Pearl Harbor will rise complete, though their DNA is scattered through the earth. It may be an Asian sushi, but it's going to come together in the name of Jesus. That's the God that can awaken your dreams. Somebody give him a shout of praise. Stand all over this building. I have one more thing to say, but go ahead and stand and then give him praise. Sorry, like, which one do you want us to do? Give him praise now, Standy. He's awakening some things. He started it last week, this morning when I came in. I don't base things on energy, but I could just hear like an awakening in the room. He's awakening things. He's awakening brothers and sisters' dreams in you. He's awakening strength in you and hope in you. And I love it at the end of that, he said... When Lazarus comes forth, he says, take off his grave clothes. Loose him and let him go. Listen, 
We're going to pray together here in a moment. But the Spirit of the Lord is powerful in here with His resurrection power. He wants to see you loosed to create. He wants to see you loosed to use your gifts. He wants to see you loosed from intimidation. He wants to see you loosed from bonds of poverty. He wants to see you loosed from generational curses. He wants to see you loosed from everything that's tried to bind you. He wants to see you loosed from chains that have held you down. He wants to see you loosed from the opinions of others. He wants to see you loosed from everything that's held you down. The best of your days have not happened yet because Jesus said, come forth. Let the dreams come forth. Let the vision come forth. Let life come forth, says the Lord. If you believe it today, give him one more praise in this room. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift your hands and worship him just for a moment. Just honor him in this room. We thank you, King Jesus. We thank you. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Holy Spirit, I know what you've begun in me. You've awakened dreams about this church, Lord. I didn't know need to be awakened. And visions that I don't even understand, but it's exciting and exhilarating. But Lord, as a corporate body, but also as in individuals, there's men and women before me, Lord, that like the days of creation, they've really not even seen their best days yet. Lord, you have a glory in this season for them. You have an anointing in this season for them. You have a purpose in this season for them. Let no man or woman or young person think this morning, I don't have what it takes. Let no one be encumbered with the chains of their flesh the words of the enemy, the opinions of others, but Lord, call them out from the grave clothes, Lord. As we begin to loose ourselves from those, Lord, let us be released to create, to dream farther and higher than ever before to say about situations in this room that we're going to pray over even now Lord somehow Lord even now somehow I know that you can do it now I just want you to begin just reach over and take someone's hand and pray for them right now while I pray that prayer father in the name of Jesus we say even now somehow Lord to situations in our life that went the way we did not want them to go but even now Lord somehow we know that you are able Lord, for prodigal children, we wish to never walked away from you. We say even now, somehow. For sickness, we are diagnosis that we wished we'd never gotten. We say even now, somehow. For the weight for little babies that some are believing in this house for, we say even now, somehow. Lord, for ministries that are to be birthed, Lord. For finances that are to be partnered with this house, Lord, we say even now, somehow, to the oldest among us and the youngest among us even now somehow lord do what only you can do bring forth your glory and let us have a tale to be told and we won't fail to give you the praise in jesus name and the church said amen now give him one more praise he's worthy this morning hallelujah hallelujah oh i feel like singing but i don't want to put chris on the spot so 